How's it going, everyone? And welcome to the Eminence Legacy Podcast. My name is Alfonso Cadena, and I'm joined by my co-host. Jose Luis Cadena, and thank you all for joining us. Awesome. So this week, I've been trying something new. I'm actually in the second week of it, right? Uh, so what I've been trying to... I've been training with a personal trainer, right? And so what has been going on is that I'm learning a lot of new stuff that I hadn't really considered before. One of the things that has been coming up a lot is that I haven't been taking enough protein, right? And you know how they say that when you learn something new, like you start seeing it everywhere, right? So yeah. if, if, if the thought crosses your head and you say to yourself, wow, there's a lot of red cars, and you tell yourself that, thesis right you tell yourself that that's the reality and all of a sudden every single car that you start seeing is red is it because you're looking for coincidences or is it because it's something that you're already familiar with so you know how to spot it now and it's probably like a mix of both but i find it interesting that it that this whole time the information has been right in front of me so now that i'm doing it differently i've been feeling a lot more a lot more change a lot more differences in these past few months that I have in a really long time. So that's been a really neat experience. What have you been up to? Well, it's all about self-awareness. I think that's why you start noticing those, uh, those uh, changes or those uh, specifics, because before you were just overlooking them. As for me, I, I don't know, a, a couple of days ago, I woke up with a real bad shoulder pain and I was trying to think back where it came from. And in my head, I went over my workouts and I said, nope, it can't be it and uh my i went through it in my mind and then the only thing i could relate it to is um i went bike riding and i had to pick up the bikes to put them in in the vehicle that i was taking them in and i'm thinking that probably i overstretched the muscle or something or a tendon i don't know i think it's part of getting old but um i i, I mean you know how it goes i didn't warm up i didn't do anything i just picked it up and threw it on the back of the vehicle and and I think I should have uh, put more thought into that lifting. There. You're right about that. I don't really put thought into warming up for anything if it's outside of a gym context. But it's true. There's some like regular everyday movements that we do that would require particularly to warm up. You know, and there's some bikes that are much more heavier than others. So we started getting more into bike riding during the lockdowns. So it was really hard to get a bike back in the day. And they had one that was my size. And it was, it was a fair bike, I, I, you know, and I'm not enough, I'm not knowledgeable enough to talk about like the specs or anything like that, you know, but it was, you know, but it, but it was a pretty, it was a pretty good bike at a, at the price range that I was looking for. And at the time, the, it was hard to find one for my wife. And it was, we were just entering spring. So we were like, you know, let's just get the first bike that we find for you. And then we could upgrade it later. So we got one. And you can tell the difference right right away because hers was in the lower price range because that was all that was available. Ideally, we would have wanted something that was equally matched to one another. And hers is just significantly yeah. heavier. It's amazing how the, how the materials are just different. So mine is like super light. I can carry it with one arm, you know, and it's other, other than just taking care of the steering, it's no, it's no big deal. With hers, it's just better and safer to carry it with both because it feels significantly heavier and bulkier. Yeah, definitely. I think that um, especially if you're going like bike riding together, it's important that you have similar bikes because um, some bikes do outperform other bikes. I could tell you that by experience. Um, I personally have a specialized uh, 29er, so it has big, big tires. So it's going to 
probably cover more ground than a, a smaller bike. And the other thing I didn't consider either is that when they're t- the two bikes are different, so the tools are different too for each one. So we were actually out in the bike trails recently, and we had her her bike had a flat, and I had all the tools for my bike. I just didn't have the ones for her bike because they're just two worlds apart when it comes to tools. So we had to walk the thing back to the truck, and we were about three yeah. miles away from the from the area. And uh, we had a debate about this. Maybe whoever's listening could get, could get could get into what who 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 they think is on the right here. So my train of thought was, you go ahead and take my bike to back to the truck, and then bring the truck to where we are. That way, I could go ahead and take walk, walk the bike to the next available park with a parking lot that has access to the road, and that way she won't be on her own, right? And she could you know, feel more comfortable, get the full advantage of the bike ride. And uh, meanwhile, I could stay behind. So that was my thought. Well, she picks up, she picks me up with the bike that was, that was broken down. And she tells me, I can't believe you sent me on my own to go get, to go, to go get, to go get the truck. And I thought I was doing her, I, I thought I was doing a good deed by sending her off. I would have, I would have loved to like extend my bike ride and, and done the full six miles. <laughs> but I, could, I did, apparently I didn't get it right that time. I think that on the way back, uh, they had a lot to think about, and that's what—that's probably what the conclusion they came up with. So um, yeah. that's uh, part of the overthinking process, I guess. The overthinking process, right? Yeah. So that's one thing that we're actually here to talk about today. It's you know we have, and it's interesting because when you when you talk about overthinking, because on the one hand, I don't know about you, but like a, a lot of us seem to have very little time to actually listen to our thoughts, right? Because a lot of the times we're either distracted with music or distracted with something playing on through our streaming services or we're distracted to work, you know? So a lot of times don't have like a, maybe a lot of times we, we, we try to avoid our own inner thoughts or dialogue or at the same time, you know, like a, it seems that also it's because we try to find those distractions because the voices are too loud. And I'm not talking about like, you know, hallucinations. I'm talking strictly about thoughts, right? That like, we need to find that we are desperate to try to find those distractions because we don't want to be left with those, with our thoughts because we're afraid of where either where it'll take us or because we're afraid that'll make us feel bad, you know, but there's ways to address this, address these excess of thoughts that go through our mind head on. There's strategies that we could use to be able to organize and to find legitimate reasons to be concerned about the things that we are and let go of the things that don't matter at all. So usually how this starts off is you find yourself arguing with yourself and then you start judging yourself and then you're still defending yourself and then you start questioning your thoughts of why you're thinking the way you're thinking. You start think uh, questioning your very existence and before you know it, it's like a an old uh, pinball uh, effect that the, the little thought goes round and round and gets nowhere so that's one of the biggest things that we have to kind of tackle every day and uh you know what what was interesting when i was um going over this this uh i guess topic that uh research research actually shows that 26 percent of us are born with those genes so 26 of that that uh is going to be something that you you um inherited basically and the other seventy four percent is uh 
your environment, your past experience, and your current lifestyle accounts for that. The anxiety, depression, uh, the anxiety, depression society of America actually states that 18.1% suffer of overthinking. And um, I really thought that that was interesting because uh, this would this is a challenging um, thing because of all the information that we receive, some of them positive, some of them negative. Uh, but mostly we need to kind of figure out a way to to navigate these waters. So there's good news and there's bad news to the statistics that you said, right? So on the one hand, you could say, well, it's out of my control because it's genetics and it's how I was born. But the good, so that that might be part of the bad news. The good news is that a huge percentage, of, like way over half, has to do with what you can control. And I've seen that. Like, so my coping mechanisms or the way I react during stressful situations, my like my wife could point out is like, oh yeah, you know, you you remind me a lot of your dad in the way that you respond because we picked up on some of that. So that's where we can come in and and find the healthy aspects that we can adopt to for ourselves, and at the same time find new coping mechanisms to be able to adjust during stressful situations. Because because yeah, it's, it's genetics, and also I think it's what you observe in your surroundings growing up. So if your if your parents uh, responded a certain way during stressful situations chances are that you adapted a lot of the same the same strategies and sometimes they're unhealthy or sometimes they're, they lead to more trouble than they do uh, to, to help overthinking what it comes down to is just uh anxiety and that's uh that's really what we need to tackle here the the anxiety that we're we're feeling um it, it that the the overthinking is just like uh I guess, a byproduct of our anxieties. Yeah, because we're not promoting the idea that not to think is just that when we put ourselves in a situation where you're overthinking, you know, it's, you know, it does lead to, to, to anxiety. So what are some strategies that, that stood out to you when it comes to dealing with anxiety and overthinking? What got my attention was about, um, one of the strategies is utilizing the four A's. The first one is about avoid, avoid what you what you cannot control. A lot of times we walk into a situation that we know that it's going to put us in a in an antsy mode or it's going to stress us out, but somehow we manage to walk into those situations. So we need to try to avoid those environments that kind of rub us the wrong way. Re- really quick about the avoid one. Wouldn't you also say that like a lot of times we could determine what can be avoided by the prioritization, right? So in a previous episode, we did talk about the, the, that we need to be prioritizing what isn't what should be important to us. And we discussed about, for example, like Eisenhower's quadrant, right? And then in the very last category that we, that we talked about, we, we, we mentioned that there are those stuff that can just be avoided, you know? So Part of this that reminds me that that we can discover what is what can be avoided by determining what is least important. Yeah, it's very important to to have that that I guess mental note of what is more important for us, uh, and that way we move on to the next one. We could alter we could alter the stressor. What is it that we can do different to alter that stressor? What what can we do uh, that's in our power that we could uh, try to avoid? Um, walking into that point that we're going to get into that uh, antsy mode that we our anxiety is all over the place 
and uh, that's going to create this type of overthinking accept it mm -hmm. accept what it is accept what what you can control and 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 accept the things that that need to be changed a lot of times we are so um caught up in in sticking to a routine or something that's really not working for us and it's really stressing us out but we continue to to go down that road that you know that's gonna end up stressing you right so uh, so really quick to backtrack when it comes to altering right so there a lot, a lot of times the way it works is that it's not the entirety of the task that a lot of times stresses us or or bothers us or causes anxiety. Sometimes it's just one aspect of it, right? So maybe you love your job, right? Uh, you love the you, you love the ability to plan. You love the ability to have uh, control of your schedule. But one of the things that the job comes with is public speaking, and you just hate public speaking, right? So in that case, what are some things that you could alter to be able to lower your anxieties when it comes to public speaking? And that could may perhaps be either finding something that calms you or some or some strategies that can help you overcome your fear of public speaking. So those are things that you could that that you could alter even though that that so but it, it all begins with you this and then and then it kind of goes hands in hands with accepting it because there are just those things that hey is going to come with the job, but find the parameters in which you can alter the 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 task in a way that's going to make you feel comfortable. And at the same time, also find those areas that are just probably unnecessary stressors in your life and cut them off. I would have to say another thing that we could do, um, doing like uh, blocks. A lot of times we kind of like want to put everything in like uh, or extend something that we're doing. Let's say I'm working on a, on a project and from one hour go to two to three to four to five. And before you know, it, you're stressed out because you're still working on it after eight hours. I think putting some boundaries, some limits there will help you um, change the outcome of how you feel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I can't do that where it's like, where it's like long periods of time. And I, I it's something that I, I also, you know, that's why it helps a lot when, when there's two people working towards the same goals and the same and, and being in the same team. Like uh, my wife could stick to what, like many, many hours into the same task. And I, I, you know, and, and me, I'm more of like, you know, let's do like a little bit at a time, you know, and it's eventually going to get done. But every time you re-engage at it, you know, you're back at 100% because you have time to to charge. And that's the perspective of that that I, that I come with. And uh, sometimes like we do a little bit of both, you know, so she kind of motivates me to <laughs> dedicate more time to the task. And then I kind of like regulate it where it's like, you know, well, let's also have some time, some rewards in between to keep us going. And because I, I know that like I, I do... um that when it comes to like anxieties is something that that I've had to work on myself. And that's one of the strategies that has definitely helped me definitely putting things into blocks of time. And after you accept it, um, that's going to be key because once you accept that, that thing that's in front of you, um, we're going to be able to make those adjustments and we're going to be able to go to the, the next move, which is adapt to be able to adapt to, to the stressor to cope with it. Now, this doesn't mean that you're going to stay in the stressor for a long time because believe it or not even our our flight flight or fight mode um after extended for uh long periods of time you start getting um it's gonna affect you in the sense that you're gonna start feeling uh physical pain so you you might feel dizziness you're gonna uh, feel fatigue dry mouth increase in breathing rate aching muscles trembling twitching 
So when you're stressed to the point that your body starts feeling it, we need to be very careful because that's uh that's a big no no. We need to be very conscious about um how we're feeling every step of the way. That's exactly right. Yeah, definitely listen to to the signals that your body is sending out because it you know, it it lets us know what we need, right? So like whenever you have like those cravings of sugar, you know, chances are it's because you're you know, you're like a short on it, whatever, you know, like the, like your body has a way of communicating itself for letting you know what it needs. Yeah. The other technique I wanted to talk about was a uh, smart, which was uh, a really good way to determine what is a valid goal, right? So like smart, what it is, is an abbreviation. So what is referring to is like, for example, the S is refers to specific, specific being that, you know, it's not just some abstract thing. It's like, oh, one day I go to Europe. One day I want to travel to Europe. And I hear a lot of people say that. It's like, okay, well, what country? And a lot of them won't, won't even be able to name a country. You know, that that that's a sign that it's not a specific goal. It's just something that sounds good, you know, so so you just say it, right? But it's not a, it's, it's not a goal unless it's specific. The other thing too, the, the other part of that too would be the M, uh, which is part of the word smart, right? So the M referring to measurable is going to be able to, is going to be a met, there, there should be a metric that you should be able to use to measure your progress, whether it's time, whether it's resources, what is it that's accumulating that is ultimately getting you closer to your goal? Uh, the other, the A would stand for attainable. Once again, it's like, you know, like if I'm a five, six guy, right. And we hear that, like, we hear this uh, growing up a lot that it's, if I'm, if I'm somebody that's five, six, you can't expect to uh, to be in a position where you're going to enter a sport that it requires somebody of significant stature, right? Because you know, being five six has its limitations, um, and is not is not negating the entire possibility of it. It just wouldn't be smart to pursue something like that. Now, the other thing too is that it should be relevant. So that's what the R stands for in smart. Relevant is referring to the fact that it's something that relate that relates to you as a person. It's not something that it's bestowed upon you or or, that, or something that you're being forced to do. It's some you know instead you're doing it because it's a passion that you have. And the last one was going to be T, which is something that is time bound. Time bound referring to that again going back to the metric that it should be measurable through a certain amount of time and therefore by it so it's it, it's going to include deadlines it's going to include you meeting the requirements that is going to measure the progress that you're getting closer to your goal and with that it concludes this week's episode if you like what you hear don't forget to visit our patreon page where you can make a donation visit us at eminencelegacy.com where you will find a free blog and you'll be able to f- book coaching sessions with a life coach you can find me on instagram at cadena alfonso so with that said have a great week guys